Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Downtown, Peckle Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Rockin the brown. Ever since, we've been knocking them down. Knockin them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. To the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Rockin the brown. Ever since, we've been knocking them down. Knockin them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that's the- and good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 192 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I am your host, Ben Fadden, coming to you after the San Diego Padres just avoided the four-game series sweep up at Dodger Stadium against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Eric Hosmer came through. Hassung Kim had a home run. Taylor Rogers got the save. A little bumpy, uh, but hats off to Mackenzie Gore and Nick Martinez to lead the Padres and keep the Padres in this game to prevent getting swept, like I just said. I mean, it's huge that the Padres did not lose this game because they would have been five and a half back of the Dodgers. Now they're only three and a half back. And three and a half is still a good amount. Um, But you got to realize that the Padres are doing this without Fernando. Manny uh, struggling. He had eight strikeouts this series. uh, Without Pierce Johnson, without um, Jose Castillo, for some reason they don't want to bring him up. Uh, Without, did I say Pomerantz already? Uh, Baez, they're without a lot of guys, without Will Myers, their right fielder, um, and they're having Jose Azokar playing multiple days in the series. So there, there's definitely some excuses that you can have, uh, but at the same time, you know, this series was not a good series. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm fortunate. I think we're fortunate as Padre fans to be three and a half back right now, uh, considering the way that the offense is played, especially over this weekend. Uh, but I will take it because of 
how bad this offense was. Um, and we'll definitely discuss that. Some solutions. There was a voicemail uh, that I'll play from one of the listeners uh, or the viewers. Uh, I see Tupac13 in the chat. What's up? How's it going? Um, usually I go Thursday through Friday or th Thursday through Sunday when talking about the games. But we can start with today's game. Uh, this episode, by the way, is brought to you by Gagleron Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Uh, gaglerandbros.com is their website. You can go there for their phone uh, numbers, their addresses, the locations, which is Mission Gorge, Point Loma, and inside Petco Park during the entire San Diego Padres season. They have a few locations inside Petco, uh, and so they are the sponsor. Feel free if you want to celebrate this win. Thank you know, thank goodness we didn't get swept. Go ahead and go get some cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Saul, I see in the chat there. Uh, yeah, you say frustrating series, but a win's a win. You're right. A win's a win. Um, but I did see a stat. I forget. I apologize, but someone put it out on Twitter. And um, they said that the Padres scored four runs in the first 35 innings of this Dodger series. And they scored four runs in the 36th inning. So there, there's just no consistency right now with the Padres offense. And you'll definitely see that. Uh, or hear me talk about that when I go through these games. And on Sunday, yeah, the Padres got this one, this win, four to two. They're now forty-seven and thirty-four, three and a half back of the Dodgers, and three and a half back is better than five and a half back. I'll say that. Uh, but it's it still wasn't like an encouraging win, at least from my point of view. Like it was encouraging the pitching. Like Nick Martinez, he's been pitching amazing out of the bullpen. Just one of the MVPs these last couple weeks out of that pen. Pitched good in Arizona. Out of the bullpen, I think that was after Clev, uh, and then pitched good today, two and third, two and a third, uh, didn't give up a run, and then Mackenzie Gore, after allowing that one run in that first inning, back to back doubles, and then he loaded the bases, he didn't give up another run. Um, yeah, he had four walks, didn't strike out a ton of guys, but what matters is the runs. How many runs did he give up? And he didn't give up any runs after that first inning, and that allowed the Padres to stay in this game despite them squandering some opportunities uh, in this Sunday game where they won 4-2. to two. I mean, top of the third, Jose Azokar let, let off with a double. There was, uh, It felt like a million opportunities for the Padres to score earlier in this game before they came through in that top of the ninth against Kimbrell, where the leadoff guy got on, he had a hit or an extra base hit, like the third with Azokar, and then they squandered it. Uh, they just totally threw that opportunity away. And in that third inning with that Azokar leadoff double, Profar grounded out, uh, got a Zokar to third, uh, but then Manny grounded to third base. And I mean, it's better than a strikeout, but a Zokar, he was running on contact in this play. It didn't make a lot of sense at all. I mean, it's a ground ball right to the third baseman, I think right to Justin Turner, and he's still running. And he hesitated, so you knew he was going to be thrown out, but he continued to run and just easily just let uh, Will Smith or... Austin Barnes, whoever was catching, tag him. Like, just running into outs was the frustration in this game today for me. Um, there was another, in the top of the first, uh, top of the fifth, excuse me, Profar, he threw out, or excuse me, was it the fifth or was it the seventh? No, 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 six, sorry. Top six, Profar, uh, there was a leadoff, he let off the inning. He got on on first base, I believe, to lead off that inning. And then he was thrown out on a strike him out, throw him out. I believe Crony struck out. And it's just that little stuff. Like, I like the aggressiveness, but being thrown out when um, 
you're just not getting a whole lot of base runners in the game early. And, you know, going back to that top of the third, Azokar, there's no reason to be running right there. There was no reason to be running on contact there. The Dodgers are a pretty good defensive team. It, if the ground ball got through, you could easily score. But running on contact, there was, there's no reason to run on contact, I don't think, in that situation. And that could have definitely, uh, you know, costed the Padres. And the good thing is it, it didn't. It ended up not. Um, in the seventh, there was another frustrating inning. Frustrating inning. Voigt was rung up on ball four. The umpire sucked. Uh, Alfaro should have been on second base on that ball. He hit off the wall. Mookie lost in the sun, and he wasn't hustling. Uh, and then Kim swung at a ball at his shins to fly out to left. And that's where it was like, okay, it's one nothing. Man, this is not. This is going to be a, not just a bad weekend at Dodger Stadium, like the title says. A terrible weekend if they get swept and they lose one to nothing. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw was great, but they had opportunities against him. Uh, I think it was Voight, it was a Voight or Hosmer in the post-game press conference was just saying to the reporters, like, we were getting guys on, just couldn't come through after that. And that's what was happening. And the good news was, obviously, like I mentioned, Mackenzie Gore settling down after that first inning. Five and two-thirds, gave up one run, five hits, walked four, uh, struck out three, but the only thing that matters is he only gave up one run. Uh, Jim Russell put out on Twitter earlier today during the game, Mackenzie Gore, I believe, has an ERA under 1.5 um, against teams not named the Rockies so far this year. He's been tremendous, and he was tremendous for most of his start today. And then Nick Martinez, like I mentioned, with those scoreless two and thirds innings out of two and a third innings out of the uh, bullpen today, that allowed the Padres to be in it there in that ninth inning. And Craig Kimbrell, he can act tough in that ninth inning, but when Crony hit that laser 100 miles an hour off his back, I'm sorry. I don't think adrenaline can, you know, make your back not hurt after that. I feel like something that had to affect him a little bit. Um, and after Crony had that single, Haas had the RBI single uh, to right field to score Abrams, who pinch hit, um, or excuse me, pinch ran. Was it for Voight? Who did he pinch run for? I think it was Voight that he pinch ran for. Um, and yeah, props, props to Hosmer. You got to give props to Hosmer. You know, I said in my post-game reaction, which is up on the socials and on this YouTube channel, like, yeah, he, he freaking sucked. That pop-up that he dropped, well, he didn't even drop it. it. It just hit the mound. He called it, and then he didn't continue to call it, and then... He just let it drop to the mound, on the mound. Didn't even touch his glove. It's like, how many times is he going to make these bonehead plays, right? Um, now, with that said, you got to give credit to him. He came through in that ninth inning on a fastball up and in. I still don't know why Kimbrell threw that pitch there. I forget. I can look at the play again. I don't think he meant to uh, throw that up and in. Like, for me, if I was facing Hosmer, every pitch I would throw would be down. If he's going to hit a home run off of me like he did off Zach Gallon the other week um, on that breaking ball that didn't get down enough, it was in the dirt, and he hit it over the fence at Petco uh, after striking out in the first two at-bats off Gallon. if that's going to happen, that's going to happen. But I'm not going to let him beat me on a pitch middle or pitch middle up or any pitch up for that matter. And I can look at the pitch location again. Hang on, let me see this. I'll share my screen so you guys can see the pitch location as well. But, like, 
yeah, it's props to Hosmer uh, for coming through with this single. It was huge. I won't talk crap about him uh, for about five minutes right here um, because he deserves it, I guess, uh, because of him coming through. But it still doesn't erase, you know, the last four years, five years. Um, yeah, but I said, congrats, Haas. We'll shut up about you for now. So here is, I don't know if the audio will play, but here's Don Orsillo with the call on Bally Sports San Diego, Hosmer's go-ahead single, which gave the Padres the lead before Ha-Sung Kim's home run that made it 4-1. So here's Hosmer. Game-tying double for Voigt. Hosmer lines it to right field, and that ball's going to get in. Coming around from second base is Abrams, and the Padres have taken a 2-1 lead in Los Angeles. Game-tying double for Voigt. Yeah, you can see there, I just paused it for the YouTube audience. He, he missed his location. Uh, was it Will Smith catching? Or it might have been Austin Barnes. Um, Dodgers catcher wanted it kind of low and away, definitely away. And Kimbrell missed it 95 up and in, and Hosmer capitalized on it. So, yeah, props to him. It was great. He came through clutch. He's come through clutch against the Dodgers in the past in his Padre career. Now, can he stop making those stupid defensive plays right uh i know i just crapped on him a little bit there it hasn't been five minutes yet it's hard to continue to compliment the guy it just is sorry it just is yeah johnny says that was almonte not kimbrell yeah almonte gave up the home run to kim you're right but kimbrell gave up uh the single to hosmer that's what i'm talking about okay yeah austin barnes was catching yep i'm just seeing going through the comments here See if anyone pointed out any good points here about today's game. Luis says, is Okar had a much better game today? I think he did. Uh, I mean, that's not a high bar after the crap game that he had yesterday. I mean, dropping those two balls in right field. Luis says he wonders if he should put Mazar, if we should put Mazar in those must-win games. Well, they did. They put in Mazar. I think they did they. Was he a pinch hitter? I think he pinch hit for Zokar late in that game. He grounded out the short on a great play by, I think, Justin Turner. But they did put him in. Now, I think they should have just started him from the get-go. I don't understand why the Padres aren't even giving him a chance at all. They're not even giving him a chance to hit against lefties. They look at the splits, and they're like, okay, we're going to go with Zokar here. Like, Zokar, he's been pretty good defensively. But who would you rather have when... The Padres are struggling offensively, like they were this series. They score four runs in their first 35 innings. Who would you rather have at the plate if you are a Dodger pitcher? Would you rather get to face Jose Azokar, or would you rather face Nomar Mazar? I think every Dodger pitcher would say, I'd rather face Jose Azokar, which means if you're Bob Melvin, you put Nomar Mazar out there. He's the bigger power threat. When you need power, you put... You need to put Mazzara in the lineup. I don't care who's pitching. I don't care if it's a righty. I don't care if it's a lefty. He Okay, he's going to play against righties, but not lefties. Like he, pit, he hit good in El Paso. Give him a chance to hit good against both sides at the big leagues. I know El Paso is easier uh, to hit. or It's easier to hit there in El Paso than it is in the big leagues, obviously. But give him a chance. It's kind of like Camposano. Uh, you know, they didn't, they gave him like 14 at bats when he was called up earlier this year. You got to give him a chance. Give Mazar a chance against lefties, please. So, yeah, that's a good point, Luis. I agree. Yeah, Luis, you're right. 
props to Profar on that throw to get Mookie, Mookie out. Yeah. Um, what inning was that? Was that the sixth? Fifth. Bottom five, Profar threw out Mookie at home to end the inning uh, on Freddie Freeman's single to left. They're continuing to run on Jerkson, and it doesn't seem like any team is learning their lesson. Profar threw out, was it Chris Taylor early this year at Petco in that first series that the Padres and Dodgers played uh, in that like eighth inning or something? I think that was on the NOLA walk-off night. They keep, he keeps throwing out guys and they're not learning. And by the way, props to Alfaro on that play too, not just Jerkson. Because Alfaro, he totally juked or juked out or he fooled Mookie on that play. Like, he was catching, he was obviously right in front of the plate, and he was just standing there like nothing was going to happen, just looking into the 5-5 hole. And all of a sudden, so Mookie sees, by the way, let's, re, let's go back. Mookie sees that Alfaro's not moving at all, and he's just standing there. And he, so Mookie thinks that no play's happening. By the way, Will Smith is motioning Mookie to get down, get down, slide. And Mookie doesn't do it because he's looking at Alfaro. He's not looking at Will Smith. He's looking at Alfaro, saying Alfaro's not getting ready to catch the ball or anything. He's just standing there. And then at the last second, Alfaro goes and catches the ball, gets his knee in front of the plate and gets Mookie out. And Mookie doesn't even slide and he looks like an idiot. So props to Alfaro for that too. I think that's part of the reason why they were able to get Mookie out on that play as well. Padres would have still won. I think they would have won 4-3 to three if Mookie would have scored there. Um, but I think that would have still deflated the Padres more if Mookie would have scored there, and it would have been, what, 2 nothing instead of one nothing at that time. Saul says, I think Nick Martinez should pitch more often in the bullpen. I agree, but I feel like right now, I mean, just looking at the bullpen chart and stuff that I put out every day, uh, they're they're pretty much pitching him like every third day because they're having him go two, three innings, usually three innings. He pitched two and a third today, and so they give him some rest. Today he had 35 pitches. So when a guy out of the bullpen usually has 35 pitches, you want to give him a couple days off. And like with Seattle coming in, Garcia didn't pitch today. He'll be ready tomorrow. Rodgers threw 15 pitches today. He'll be ready tomorrow because he hadn't pitched, felt like, in like a week prior to today's game because the Padres didn't have a lead uh, at all in this Dodgers series, obviously, in the ninth inning until today. So the bullpen, Chris Matt will be ready tomorrow. They won't need Martinez probably for another couple more days. But, yeah, he's going to be pitching, definitely going to be pitching. Uh, when's Clev next? Is Clev, would Clev pitch Wednesday? Or, excuse me, tomorrow or Tuesday? Manaya's tomorrow. Clev might pitch Tuesday. Maybe Martinez goes then, but then you're only giving him one day. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to see them keep continuing to go to Stammen, right? That should be if they're down four runs, five runs, not a tie game like it was on Saturday night. No, Friday night, the Snell game. Yeah, so I, I agree with that point. Johnny says Voigt should have, had the in, should have hit the inside the park home run if Voigt runs. No, I disagree. In the ninth inning, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Voight's not that fast. He's not like sneaky fast like Alfaro is for a big guy. That's not Voight. He wasn't going to get an inside-the-park home run even if he was running. 
Did he end up at second? I think he ended up second. I think the trip. I think a triple would have been the most that he would have gotten in that situation. All right. So to finish off this game, Padres won four to two. Like I mentioned earlier, they're forty-seven and thirty-four. Uh, the series totals, by the way, and I, I'll probably mention it again when I'm done talking about Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, but the Dodgers scored seventeen runs in this series. The Padres scored eight. They, the Dodgers doubled, more than doubled the Padres' run total in this series. So the Padres, right now, they're just not on the same level as the Dodgers. They've won, excuse me, they've lost 14 of their last 16 against the Dodgers, I think is what it is. Uh, I know that Tatis is out. I know Myers is out. I know we're dealing with injuries. But the Dodgers didn't have Mookie the first three games, right? They need more power in this lineup, and, and I'll get to more solutions uh, in a little bit and to a voicemail. Um, but it's just clear the Padres are not on the same level right now. It can change later in the year. I want to make that clear. The Padres can be on the same level as the Dodgers. If the starting pitching continues pitching the way it is, and Pomerantz and Baez and Castillo are here later in the year, let's say it's August or September at Petco Park, they play two series at Petco in September, and guys are fresh, and Tatis is back and they're rolling, they can be on the same level. But this series this weekend, it just showed that the Padres are not on the same level right now as the Dodgers are. But we're fortunate, and I think i got to be happy considering that the I mean, I'm not happy about this series. Let's be clear about that. But I'm happy with where the Padres are standing, and I'm, I, I appreciate that the Padres are only three and a half back, if that makes sense from the Dodgers, based on the way that the team played this weekend against that very team, right? Um, so I think we're fortunate with that. Moving on to Saturday's game, the Padres lost 7-2. to two. This was one where it felt like it was over in the first inning. Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Will Smith, they all homer in that first inning off Darvish. And then Darvish settled in, by the way. He gave up, what, he gave up, two runs after that first inning, and two of those, I think both of those runs had something to do with errors. Jose Azokar was trash in right field. Uh, in the bottom of the second, Azokar, there you go, dropped that fly out to right. Gavin Lux got to second. He ended up scoring. That was one of the other runs that Darvish got charged with, even though that was an error. They called it a hit for some reason at Dodger Stadium. Don't know if the scorekeeper uh, just wasn't watching the game, but and he was, they were napping, and they looked up, and they saw Lux at second base. Oh, it's a double, because that was clearly an error by Zokar. He knows that. Um, and so Turner singled, made it 4 nothing. Dodgers. Bottom three, Profar drops a diving catch, and then Justin Turner scored. That's not an error on Profar, but it's not like that ball was, like, hit amazingly well. So Darvish, he settled in after that first inning, but the Padres' offense just didn't show up. Luke Voigt hit a meaningless home run late. That's what it was. It's cool to see them hit a home run, but it was meaningless. That was that made it 7-2. Um, you know, like I mentioned, the game felt like it was over in the first. In the seventh, that's where it really felt it was over. Um, Grish had a sack fly, made it 5-1. But then when Manny struck out against Bruzdar Gratterall, I mean, Manny really struggled offensively in this series. He'll tell you that, I think. He had a meaningless single late in the game yesterday. He struck out eight times in this series combined. 
And I, I'm not going to crap on him too much because he's playing probably on one leg. He was driving from Arizona to Los Angeles to uh, keep down the swelling. Like, he is doing everything to be on that field. So it's hard to say, oh, man, he sucks, uh, sucked this series, and, man, man, he needs to step up. Like, it's going to come. I'm a huge Manny fan. I respect the heck out of that guy. That's all the Manny conversation I'm going to have. Uh, I, I don't think anyone has a viewpoint that Manny needs to step up. It was a series where he's coming off of an injury where we thought he might have been out for the season. So I'm just not going to talk about Manny struggling offensively beyond this. Uh, but after that happened, the game was definitely over. Uh, the Dodgers so far after Saturday's game were out homering the Padres 7-2. to two. And they out-homered the Padres, I believe, 7-3 because Kim homered today. The Padres were 1-for-8 with runners in scoring position. And they lost 14 out of the last 15 against the Dodgers after yesterday's game. That's called being owned. And Joe Davis, John Smoltz were on the call on yesterday's game on Fox. And Joe Davis is the Dodgers play-by-play -play announcer for, any, for anyone that doesn't know. And he was even calling it a rivalry. I still believe it's a rivalry because it's two teams that are fighting for the same thing. Um, and it's two talented teams fighting for the same thing. I know that the record is lopsided, but we do have to take into account the Padres' injuries. Um, now, are the Dodgers on a higher level than, level than the Padres? Yes, I've already said that. But I still think it could be a rivalry even when that's the case. And JD's third says, excuses. If he plays, he needs to perform bad. About Manny? And then Johnny says, I have to crap on him. No excuses. Okay, guys, I'd love to see you guys. Here, come on. Really? Really? You're going to crap on Manny? Come on. I'd love to see you, Johnny and JDS third. I'd love to see you guys go sprain your ankle and be lying on the ground, being helped off a baseball field. And then I'd love to see you come back and play at Dodger Stadium a week and a half later or two weeks later. I'd love to see you do that. I'd love to see you go endure 14 hours of rehab, 16 hours of rehab every day just so that you can get back in two weeks. I'd love to see you go in that batter's box and face Clayton Kershaw and Tony Gonsolin, that nasty splitter, and Bruce Dark Gratterall throwing 101 at you I'd love to see you guys go do that. No excuses? Really? Come on. Just please relax. Like, come on. It's just stupid. That, that, that's stupid comment, really. It's stupid. You, you clearly don't know what these guys go through. You don't know that Manny lives, dies, and breathes baseball. Clearly, if you're making that statement. Come on. That's just idiotic. I'm sorry. That, that's idiotic. Where was I? Gonsolin and Anderson, first or Friday and Saturday in this series, 14 combined innings from them. Padres scored two runs off of them. They're, they were great, but the Padres' offense does need to step up. And Manny, if we're two weeks from now and he's still playing every day and he's striking out eight times in a series, okay, then I might get on him. But he's their best player right now, 
and he's playing on like one leg. Did you not see the great plays he made defensively in this series? Like he's still impacting the game. Watch the game. Just watch the games, please. Watch the games. Jeez. Um, yeah, so Saturday Padres lost 7-2. 46 and 34 was their record. They're now 47 and 34. The Padres two times in this series. They lost twice. They lost, excuse me, they lost three times. They lost two games in this series where they were out, they out hit the other team. They out hit the Dodgers. They out hit the Dodgers on Thursday, and they out hit the Dodgers on Saturday, 10 to 8, and they still lost. Because they're not, they weren't converting with runners in scoring position. There's no power. Uh, you know, you got singles up the middle with the guy on second, and he's not scoring. Little stuff like that. Today, Alfaro with that ball off the wall, he's not on second base. Little stuff like that. It just feels like they weren't mentally all the way there in this series at, uh, at Dodger Stadium this weekend. And that's going to need to improve. Seattle's not a terrible team. Their record, I think they're under 500, but they got some good guys in that lineup. They have pretty talented uh, starting pitchers. I think Chris Flexen's doing okay this year. Uh, I don't know about their bullpen situation. Ty France is not going on the going off the IL tomorrow, so that's good news because we know a couple home runs were coming tomorrow on July 4th. But uh, the Mariners aren't going to be an easy team, I don't think, to beat. So they're going to have to get mentally back in it tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, with Saturday's game, it was an embarrassing game. Azokar, you know, Azokar dropping that ball in right field. He dropped two, but dropping the one that was right to him, he didn't have to reach up for it or anything. It was just right to him. That described the Padres' probably first three games of this Dodgers series. Just dropped the ball. The defense wasn't as solid as that it wasn't as solid as it should have been. The offense dropped the ball. They weren't scoring enough run. They weren't coming through with runners in scoring position. There wasn't power. It, it, I think it summarized this Dodgers series pretty good. Uh, yeah, Jaime says we had Thursday's game just because Turner had two home runs, meaning you lost or we lost Thursday's game because Turner had two home runs. Yeah, okay. Uh, but on Thursday, the Padres scored one run. Like, if he hit that second home run where it was a two-run home run, they still would have lost. They need to score more runs. You can't score four runs in 35 innings against the Dodgers and expect to win those games. You know? They scored four in the 36th inning today, in the ninth inning, where Hosmer and Kim came through. You know? Luis says, I think the fact the Padres answered in the top of the ninth against the Dodgers' closer speaks a lot. Look, I, I applaud them for being resilient and continuing to fight. But they, you know, it is their job to do that. I just think that there were at some point, I think they need to do that the entire series, Luis. Yeah, props to them for doing that today late in the game, but it didn't feel like they were doing that early in the game, at least the offense. And then there was definitely times yesterday where they weren't doing that. All right. Um... I think that's good with Saturday's game. 
I'll get to the voicemail after this series, after I talk about Friday and Thursday's game. On Saturday morning, by the way, this is a good thing to talk about. Saturday morning, Ken Rosenthal came out with that piece saying that Tatis told him he could play the outfield, maybe in center field when he returns, uh, and that would allow Hassan Kim to play short, get Grisham out of the lineup, uh, and allow Voight to DH. That could be a scenario. I think that's a scenario that probably will happen a little bit when he returns. I don't know any information. I'm not going to act like I know sources or anything. But it's if Grisham continues to struggle offensively and Kim doesn't get hurt and maybe he's on a run offensively when Tatis returns, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about Tatis diving all over the place uh, at shortstop. I know he can dive in the outfield, but it's I feel like the outfield is less taxing on your body than the infield. That could free him up maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I kind of like that. I don't think that him playing center field long term is the right thing to do. Uh, I, in fact, I don't think that's going to happen because they paid him $340 million to play shortstop, not center field. But he's coming in. I I think I said this on a pregame show during this series before one of the Dodger games. If he comes back, right, he comes back August. Okay, so now you have two months left with the team, Fernando. So I think with Bob Melvin as the manager, he'd be much more willing than last year. And he still did it last year, by the way. I think he'd be much more willing this year to jump into the outfield uh, and say, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can to help this team win. I, I don't want this collapse to happen like it happened last year. I'm not making this about me. And maybe he'll see that it'll free him up a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I think it's an intriguing possibility. Feel free to leave your thoughts uh, in the comments here on live or on replay on YouTube. Or if you're listening on the podcast uh, afterwards, feel free at Talking Friars on Twitter or, or uh, Instagram. And then Ken Rosenthal also said on Saturday before the game that the Joe Musgrove extension talks have fizzled and Musgrove figures to play out the season knowing he'll receive the same guarantee the Padres are offering. Now, this obviously is not good news. Uh, look, there were I posted this and Padre fans were like, oh, don't you remember that Ken was wrong about the Scherzer stuff? And it's like, yes, I understand that. Don't shoot the messenger. I post some I post reporting that I see from articles and stuff for those people that don't pay for the subscriptions because I like I don't know informing Padre fans uh, about news for Kevin AC's stuff that he writes or Dennis Lynn or Ken Rosenthal I put it out there Padres related I put it out there so the fans that don't see it will be able to see it I don't think that's a, a crime and so some people were like well. If you want to boost your credibility, maybe don't put out stuff from a reporter you know the fan base doesn't trust. It's Ken Rosenthal is a national reporter. I know he was wrong about Scherzer. I was pissed off about that. I'm still going to be pissed off. I'll probably always be pissed off about it because he went to the Dodgers. And yeah, he got my hopes up, and then he went to the Dodgers. Um, but with this, like, I, I realize this is a part of negotiations, and so... By him reporting that the Musgrove extension talks have fizzled, maybe that gets Peter Seidler to say, no, 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 they haven't fizzled. Let's go make this better offer, right? And the last reporting that we've heard is that the Musgrove extension, uh, those talks, 
or the latest offer, actually, the latest offer was incentive-based. Like, there's a guarantee. Musco believes he's going to get the game same guarantee that he would get from the Padres right now in an extension. He'd get that same guarantee in free agency. What, so what the Padres need to do is offer him at least $20 million a year, 25 maybe a year, or 20 a year, and you can get to $25 million a year with the incentives and all that. Um, that's what they need to offer him in an extension. Because if this is correct and accurate about Musgrove believing that he'll get the same market in free agency if he doesn't sign an extension, what that tells me is the Padres are offering him maybe $15 million a year, 15 to $20 million a year, maybe. Probably in the 13 million to 17 or 18 million a year to be honest because we all know he'd get that from all the contenders right um and so i'm not going to overreact to this news i'm just going to say the same message that i've been saying for it feels like months now the padres need to give him a better offer they have the money they just made a ton of money with those city connect uniforms and they continue to rake that money in they're selling out double-digit games already this year. Tons of people are going to the ballpark. Uh, tons. I think this is the most season ticket holders they've ever had. My family's one of them. We have three seats. They're giving. A, they're getting a lot of money coming in. They have the money. They need to give Musgrove a better offer. You have to extend this guy. You have to extend him. If they don't extend this guy. I don't even know what's going to happen, to be honest, among the Padre fan base. They better bring in Shohei Otani or something. Like, bringing back Manaya and Clev over Musgrove, like, yeah, that would be good. Cool, that would be good. Um, in terms of Manaya and Clev, I like Manaya and Clev. There's nothing, I, don't, I have nothing against them. But Musgrove is a better pitcher than Manaya or Clev. And it's the San Diego Ties, you know? If he's asking forty million a year for forty million a year, okay, then maybe you say no. But that's—I know that's not what he's asking for. He wants to be here. His family was at that wiffle ball field, Pete's Park, whatever it's called. Uh, I saw that on social media today. They were there last night playing wiffle ball with uh, Padre fans, like, and there were art paintings of Musgrove and No No Joe and all that. It's like their family's at every game. I know exactly where they where they sit, like. He is Mr. San Diego. This guy belongs here for the rest of his career, and I think it would it would be like a crime to not bring him back. Not a reasonable deal. But what the Potters are offering right now, to me, it seems like it's not reasonable. That's my view on that. Um, injury updates as well on Saturday. Pierce Johnson, according to Kevin Ac, he's throwing his full, first bullpen next week. I think he's dealing with the forearm tendonitis. Early August return is, I think, what the Padres are hoping. And Will Myers is taking batting practice right now, and he's expected to go on a rehab assignment next week. I heard from Kevin Acey on the radio last week that Myers and Tatis might be on the same time frame uh, in terms of their return. So maybe Myers would be on a longer rehab assignment than Tatis would. Uh, I would think that Myers might return a little before Tatis if Myers is already going to be on a rehab assignment this coming week. Uh, but those are the injury updates. Uh, Tatis, latest update from him or about him is he's shagging balls in the outfield. That's pretty much what I've seen. And 
I assume that he's swinging a bat, uh, not at full strength, but bigger than 40% and not at full strength. I think July 12th is when at least he's telling us the doctors are allowing him to swing full strength off a tee and then the pitching machine and then rehab and then coming back. I would think that he'd come back. I hope he'll come back like that twin series, July 29th, or maybe it's early August, but those are the up the injury updates. As for Friday's game, Padres lost five to one to the Dodgers. 46 and 33 was their record. Blake Snell, this was part of the irritating part. Thursday and Friday felt like the same game because both starting pitchers, Musgrove and Snell, pitched well. Snell, five innings, one earned run, four hits, 12 strikeouts on 107 pitches. First Padre to strike out 12 against the Dodgers since Jake Peavy did it in 2005. This was the Blake Snell we have wanted to see, right? And we saw the Padres' offense scored one run, of course. They're just not giving Blake Snell run support this year. It's kind of like I've said it already. I know I have previously with Jacob deGrom with the Mets, I think, last year, where he was just amazing, like Tom Seaver-like, but the Mets' offense just wasn't scoring any runs. This is what the Padres' offense is doing to Blake Snell this year. And I'm not saying Blake Snell's pitching like Tom Seaver or Jacob deGrom last year. But in outings like yesterday, or uh, excuse me, Friday, where he's pitching his butt off and he looks up at the scoreboard and he sees the Padres have scored one run and they're losing, that's got to piss him off because he's finally, he finally found it um, and doesn't get really anything to show for it. Grisham had that home run uh, in the fifth, 428 feet to right field that tied it at one. Uh, Snell gave up that one run on the Muncie home run to right field but he struck out four of his first six batters. Like, he was rolling. Um, that slider and the dirt was working. Nola, credit to him uh, during Snell's portion of that game. He was blocking a lot of balls. Um, in the bottom of the third, Snell loaded the bases, but then struck out Justin Turner to end the inning. In the bottom of the fourth, he got out another jam. This time it was, uh, was it second and third? I thought it was first and second, but Snell... Regardless, struck out Bellinger and Austin Barnes to strand two runners there. So back-to-back innings, he stranded five guys combined in those back-to-back innings. Uh, I already talked about him striking out 12. And then when he left after that fifth, Stammen came in, struck out the first two batters, then gave up the home run to Bellinger, made it 2-1. And that's literally all the runs the Dodgers ended up needing. They ended up winning 5-1. Bringing in Craig Stammen in that situation, Bob Melvin said, I think after the game, that he wanted to get Craig Stammen some work. Sorry, Bob, but a tie game, that's not where you get Craig Stammen some work. I know that there's a lot of innings to fill there, six, seven, eight, nine, but in a 1-1 game, a guy that gives up the long ball, I don't think that's the best guy to be in the game. I'm not saying you pitch Taylor Rogers or Luis Garcia in that sixth inning, obviously, but maybe I should... Here, I'll look back. To give Bob the benefit of the doubt if he deserves it, I wanted to see... Let me look at the bullpen chart. So this was June 30th, right? Friday. 
No, July 1st. Okay. So going into July 1st, Hill hadn't pitched in two days. He ended up pitching that game. Uh, but Chris Matt had 13 pitches the night before. He probably was available, so he didn't pitch in that game. Martinez wasn't available. Uh, Ray Kerr was. Don't think you're too confident in him pitching in that situation. So now when you look at the options, you're not going to go Garcia. You're not going to go Rogers. You're probably not going to go Hill in the sixth inning there. It's Chris Matt or Stammen for me, right? And so I would argue Chris Matt, and then if the game gets out of hand, then you go Stammen. But it feels like Chris Matt or Stammen were the only two options there. So I would have personally went Stammen, so that's what I can kind of bash Bowmel for a little bit there. But when you're looking at the other option, I guess it is Stammen when you look at the bullpen situation. And I know a lot of fans aren't going to do that. They're just going to say, they're just going to see Craig Stammen, and they're going to be like, why the heck is this dude pitching in a tie game against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium when Blake Snow just pitched his butt off? But it was pretty much, it came down to two options, I think, if I'm just looking at the pitch, pitch counts and all that. So uh, after that, the game was, ended up being out of hand 5 1, Dodgers 1. Tony Gonsolin was amazing in this game, but scoring one run doesn't matter. You know, scoring one run. I know Blake was great, but it's hard to win a game when you score one run against the Dodgers. They're going to get to you at some point. They are. Even today, they scored two runs. Uh, Gonsolin, seven and two-thirds innings in this game, one earned run, four hits, didn't walk anyone. That's obviously That was huge for his pitch count and allowing him to get deep in the game. And now he has a 1-5-4 ERA on his way to starting the National League All-Star game in his home ballpark at Dodger Stadium. Hopefully it's Manny playing third base behind him. I know some Padre fans would say, no, we actually don't want Manny playing. We want Manny to be on the couch uh, resting his ankle. Totally understand that. Uh, but in terms of best third baseman in the National League this year, Manny at third base. Uh, so that was Friday's game. Padres 46-33 and 33 after that loss. Uh, and then they lost on Thursday to start the series. 3-1 to one was the loss. This one was frustrating, just like Friday's was frustrating. Because the offense didn't show up, and even though the starting pitching did. Joe Musgrove, he gave up those two home runs to Justin Turner. But scoring run one run, just like I said it, it's hard to beat the Dodgers when you score one run. Um, in the top of the first, Manny doubled, and then Mazar drove him in. That was the only Padres run. They, I think they went 24 innings, and they scored two runs at one point in the series. Not good enough at all. Um, top of the second, fly out to right to try and score Grisham. Chris Taylor threw him out. Not mad at that. I said it on the pregame show before Friday's game. Not mad at that. Grisham had to be sent there. Had to be a perfect throw from Chris Taylor. It was. Had to be a perfect tag from the catcher. It was. Can't be mad at that. Bottom second, Musgrove struck out two. Allowed that Justin Turner home run. Made it 1-1. He had five strikeouts through four and a third. He was pitching like Joe Musgrove. He had another quality start. Seven innings, three earned runs, five hits, walked only one guy, and struck out double digits. Struck out ten guys. Uh, in the sixth, he had a seven-pitch inning. Made an amazing barehand play on a number in front of the plate. Looked like Manny in that situation there. Uh, that plays up on the Talking Friars Twitter. You might have to str uh, scroll a little bit, but um, a great play, great play by him. Pitchers are athletes, too, some pitchers. 
in the top of the eighth, first and second, two outs. Nola grounded out the short. Batten made his MLB debut uh, as Voigt's pinch runner. Haas was pinch hit for in this game, so that was cool to see. Back-to-back games, him leaving the game early, Bomel not giving zero Fs, and just saying, hey, Haas, sorry, sorry, dude. We're going to take you out for your defense on that Wednesday game against the Diamondbacks, and we don't want your bat in the lineup or your defense late in this game. Uh, but the Padres... They left eight guys on base in on that Thursday game. The Dodgers left only two guys on base. The Padres, this was the second, the first of two games in this series where they out hit the other team and lost. Uh, they out hit the Dodgers seven to five on Thursday, but just didn't come through with runners in scoring position. Uh, and it kind of it just sucked that Musgrove's one walk was to Max Muncie, and he ended up scoring on the home run, the second home run he gave up to Justin Turner. You know, it's one of those games. It's frustrating because the offense didn't come through, like I've said, probably like 40 times in this single episode. Uh, but the bright side is Musgrove bounced back after that uh, Philadelphia start that he gave up six runs. And he pitched like we've seen Joe Musgrove pitch the entire year, excluding that Philly start. And that start gave me a lot of confidence that this guy, when the postseason comes and the Potters have to face the Dodgers, if that indeed ends up happening, you can count on this guy to not just keep you in the game, but go and lead you to a win as long as Tatis is back healthy and the Padres offense scores some runs, right? So it was a positive night pitching side of things, not a positive night offensively, pretty much like how the entire series was up until the ninth inning of today's game, right? Again, four innings in the first 35 innings, or it's not four innings, four runs in the first 35 innings, four runs in the 36th that's not good enough against the Dodgers or really any team if we're being honest going through some comments here uh we'll get to the voicemail by the way right now uh so obviously the Padres lost three out of four it was a bad series uh a series that you would have hoped the Padres would have at least split that's what I was hoping for like I wasn't going into this series with these like unrealistic sweep in four games expectations. Um, but I think it's okay of me, or it was okay of me to go into this series asking for the Padres to split. Asking for the Padres to score more than four runs in the first 35 innings, you know? And it didn't happen. It's disappointing, and there needs to be solutions. And speaking of that, a voicemail from Jason sent me a DM on Instagram at Talking Friars, and he said that he left a, a voicemail. If you, Again, if you want to leave a voicemail, feel free. You want to be a part of the show, feel free. 619-335-5770. Again, 619-335-5770. Leave a voicemail with any of your thoughts on the Padres, and I'll play it in the next episode, uh, and I'll give my thoughts on that. Uh, in the chat... I'll go through some chat here first before getting to the voicemail. It's about uh, getting some help in the off with the offense and maybe finding some potential solutions is what I'm going to try to do, in-house solutions at least. I have one main guy. You could probably think who that is. Um, all right, just going through the comments here. Jaime, I totally disagree here, but you say, I'm not a big fan of Melvin. He does not run fundamental old-school all school baseball. 
when the team is not hitting? What do you mean, what's all school baseball? You mean old school? Uh, he is kind of old school. He's had, when Grisham and Abrams have struggled this year, he's had them bunt. He is an old school. He, he's let his starting pitchers go deep in games. When Tingler would have definitely taken them out in like the fifth inning. I don't know how you can not be a, a big fan of Melvin when we've had to deal with Andy Green and Jace Tingler the last four years, you know? Is it longer than that? What is it? How long is that? Like five years, whatever? Whatever it is. Having to deal with Andy Green and Jace Tingler and now you get Bob Melvin? How can you not be a fan of him? I'm sorry. I, I disagree with that point. JD's third said Musgrove and Snell were outpitched, and the Dodgers had a game plan against them. Sure, the Dodgers had a game plan against them. I don't know if they, I mean, yeah, Gonsolin pitched a great, he pitched amazing against, it was Blake Snell, right? Pitched amazing against him. Uh, or was that, no, 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 he pitched against Darvish, I think. No, he pitched Snell. Anderson was yesterday against Darvish. Like, Gonsolin and Anderson, 14 innings, two run runs. Okay, you could say they outpitched. Darvish and Snell. I know you talked about Musgrove in that comment, but the offense needs to step up. Musgrove and Snell, they pitched really well. Snell struck out 12 guys. That's his best outing probably that he's had all season long, I think. And Musgrove had another, another quality start. He made like three mistakes, walking Muncie and giving up those two home runs. The offense has to have a better game plan, I guess, against the Dodgers, or at least execute better against the Dodgers. That's what it comes down to. All right, let's get to uh, the voicemail from Jason talking about different, or here, let me frame that better. Voicemail from Jason, and he's giving his thoughts on uh, the offense and the fact that it needs some upgrades. So here is Jason. Hopefully you can hear it. Let me know if you can hear it. Hopefully you can hear it. Nothing on the sound? Okay. My bad. It's playing in my earbuds, so I don't know. I tried turning it up. He was talking about Tatis, and he wasn't sure if Tatis was going to be a guarantee to like really help this offense when he returns. I disagree with that. Fernando is the best shortstop in baseball. He's going to be a huge boost to this team when he returns. I disagree with that point from uh, Juan. Or Jason, excuse me. Sorry, Jason. Jason is who uh, did the voicemail. I disagree with that. In terms of needing to improve the offense, oh, definitely. Totally agree. A.J. Preller knows that. 
He knows that Trent Grisham's hitting, what, under 200. He knows that Profar, yeah, he's been great in the leadoff spot, but he's not a power bat, right? And who knows what Mil Will Myers, I mean, Will Myers, he's more of a question mark to me, obviously, than Tatis when uh, Myers returns, you know? So, there, yeah, there definitely needs to be some moves uh, made. Definitely one bat. Having a Jose Azokar out there against lefties, I'm not buying that. You got to give Nomar Mazzara the chance. You just have to. And in terms of in-house options, out-of-house options, I'm sure I'll do probably multiple episodes about that and trades and stuff like that because uh, we're still you know, a month away from the trade deadline, August 2nd. We're July 3rd right now. So there's time for that. But in terms of in-house options, overall, like there's one for the bullpen, and I think that's Jose Castillo. They brought up some guy, Taylor Scott, I think is his name. For some reason, they don't want to bring up Jose Castillo. Maybe they have a plan for him, and like a certain amount of innings they want him to get rehabbing and all that. But this is a really long rehab assignment. I mean, I can look on baseball reference to see – how many innings Jose Castillo has thrown. But looking at his game logs this morning, he hasn't allowed a run in his last five minor league outings. Give me a sec to pull the numbers up here. He's, he gave up two runs all last month in the month of June. Last seven days, he has a zero ERA. Last 28 days, he has a 1.86 ERA. Last 90 days, he has a 0 0.78 ERA in 24 games. In June so far, 11, or in June last month, 11 and a third innings, he gave up one home run, walked five, struck out 17 guys. In May, he did not give up a run at all, eight and two-thirds innings. In April, three innings, did not give up a run. He's given up two runs his entire minor league season so far this year. Like, he needs to be up with the big league club for the bullpen. That's the bullpen option, right? I think that's a bullpen upgrade a little bit. And then you got Baez and Pomerantz, Johnson, whenever they come back. Now, with the offense, Esther Ruiz is the main guy, and that's my main solution right now. Um, Jose Zocar, sure, he's, he's good defensively most of the time. He was crap yesterday. He is not a great power threat. He's not a power threat at all. No more Mazzara. When you need power, he needs to be in the lineup. I've already said it multiple times on this episode. I don't care that a lefty's on the mound. Give him the chance. Give him the chance to play. Ozokar is hitting 259 as we speak right now. So that doesn't seem that bad. But he hasn't hit a home run at all this year. His OPS is 672. Seven RBIs. I mean, look, they need to try something else. I, I mean, I don't know if you if you bring Ruiz up, right? He's playing center field so far this year. I don't know if the Padres would want to start him every day. Probably not in center field. But at this point, I mean, the way that Grisham's playing, yeah, he hit a home run in this series, but he's not the same guy that he was in 2020. 
what does it hurt to bring up Esther Ruiz and send either Matthew Batten down or send Jose Zocar down? I know Brent Rooker's another option, but I think Profar is definitely the left fielder. I think they like Mazzara to play right. So I think the ideal replacement for if you're going to send down a Zocar would be a center fielder who can play in place of Grisham. And Esther Ruiz is that guy. So far in the minor leagues this year, what is he hitting? He's hitting 343 in 71 games. He has a 470 on base percentage, a 1056 OPS, 586 slugging. Did I already say that? Uh, he's not striking out as much as he has in the past. He's got 13 home runs. And since he's been called up, so he started with double A and now he's in triple A. Since he's been called up, this is through July 2nd, through yesterday's games. Okay. Since he's been called up to triple A, where former big leaguers pitch, in 22 games, 109 plate appearances, 88 at bats, he scored 21 runs. He has 30 hits. He's hit four bombs, four more than Azokar at the big league level this year. He's only struck out 19 times. He's hitting 341 with a 463 on base percentage, a 534 slugging, and a 997 OPS. Almost an 1,000 OPS. Batting average on balls in play is 400. What, what's the damage in bringing Ruiz up and trying him in center field? What's the downside? Like, you don't want to start his clock? Like, the Padres are trying to win right now. And if you want to keep pace with the Dodgers, you got to have more production, more power. Yeah, I'm not saying Ruiz is going to be Nelson Cruz and hitting all these home runs. That's not what I'm saying. But consistency, getting on base, having the potential to drive in runs, like being more aggressive at the plate. I think that's all the things that Ruiz can give to the Padres that Grisham isn't really giving right now to the Padres. Like Grisham... He has the same approach, hasn't changed it, doesn't swing at the first pitch, and then he's behind, especially to great pitching staffs like the Dodgers. I haven't watched every game of Esther Ruiz, obviously, but from what I've seen, like he can hit pretty much to all fields. He has speed. I mean, I don't know if are there defensive stats here. Yeah, he hasn't made an error in center field. He's played center field, left field, and right field with El Paso, according to these game logs. So he's playing everywhere. Everywhere, He played center field when he was in double-A. So he's gotten plenty of center field time this year. Again, I, I'm going to ask, like, what's the downside in trying Ruiz and trying to bring him up? I'm not saying you have to play him every day and you have to bench Grisham, but I think he's an equal or better option to Jose Azokar, and that's what it comes down to because Profar's on the team. Grisham's going to be on the team. Mazara's going to be on the team. Then it comes down to that fourth outfielder, Azokar or Ruiz. I would pick Ruiz right now. So feel free, give me your thoughts for the podcast audience or the replay audience in the comments or at Talking Friars on Twitter. Uh, if you would rather have Ruiz up or would you rather have Jose Azokar up? My pick's Ruiz. Uh, 
let me look at that. Just Bob. He has a Yankee logo, but he says, doesn't Grisham still have options? Let me look that up real quick. Fan graphs. Trent Grisham, he has three options remaining, according to Fangraphs, the roster resource. He has three options remaining. He has a little over two years of service time. Yeah, so, yeah, age 25. Yep, he's got plenty of options left. Let's see what Ruiz has got. I'm not saying, and just Bob, by the way, I'm not saying you option Grisham. I'm saying you option Azokar. Grisham can play against righties if you want him to, or however they want to do that. But uh, I'm saying you put Ruiz up and you have a Zokar go down. And Ruiz, by the way, he bats right and throws right, so you could have that platoon with in center field if you want Grisham playing against righties and you want Ruiz playing uh, against lefties. You can do that. Let's see, anyone thoughts on here about this Grisham Ruiz stuff? Um, yeah, JD's third says Abrams hits well in AAA too, doesn't say much. Well, Mazzara hit well in AAA, and he's playing pretty well right now at the big leagues. Like, it's just different guys. Like, again, if it doesn't work out, you can send him back down. But Azokar's not doing anything in the power or, you know, production much, you know, department right now. I think Ruiz, try it. Why not? Grisham over Gallo, just Bob asks. Uh, yes, Gallo is really sucking this year. If they could get Gallo for free, maybe, but they have Mazzara, who's playing right. They have Profar and left. Gallo's not going to be playing center. He's not going to be taking at-bats away from Voight, right? Or Alfaro, if, Alvar if Alfaro's going to be DHing. Jaime says, if we want to win now, let's trade prospects for Brian Reynolds. No, the answer is no to that. I'm sorry. Yeah, we want to win now. But I think you try the in-house options before you go outside. And for Reynolds, the Pirates are rebuilding. They're not going to win this year. So what are they going to want? They're going to want the Padres' top prospects. And who are the top Padres' prospects? Gore, definitely not happening. Abrams, I would not want to trade him. I think he's developing. He's getting stronger. James Wood, untouchable. Robert Hassel III, I still wouldn't want to trade him. You know, like... I think you'd give up less for like Ramon Laureano or Trey Mancini than you would for or would or Ian Happ than you would uh, if you were trading for like Brian Reynolds, right? Uh, I would not trade for Brian Reynolds if you're giving up a bunch of prospects like the Pirates wanted this previous offseason, like we heard about in reports and all that. All right. So we talked about that. I want to do a little bit of a Mariners preview. There's a two-game series the Padres have coming up against the Mariners. 
Tomorrow's game is at 3.40. I'll be going to that game, so I'll do the pregame show from there. I think I'm going Friday, uh, Thursday for the Hall of Fame stuff with Ted Leitner, and then Friday, and then Sunday. So it should be a fun week. Tomorrow, Shamanaya's on the mound at 3.92 ERA. Game's at 3.40, like I mentioned. Chris Flexen, I believe, is on the mound for the Mariners. And then Tuesday, that's a day game, so no night games in this series. Just a mini two-game set. MLB.com says that Clev is starting on Wednesday, or Tuesday, excuse me. Uh, TBD for this, the Mariners, so don't know. And Julio Rodriguez, I think he has a suspension to serve at some point with that brawl that he got into uh, with the Angels. Was it last weekend? Um, where Winker got hurt and he was flipped off the fans and stuff, that brawl at Angel Stadium. So I don't know if he's going to serve it tomorrow. You hope so. I saw a stat where he had, he's like the first since first rookie since Mike Trout to have uh, like 20 stolen bases and 10 home runs or something by the All-Star break, something like that. He's been really, really good. Really, He's like, I heard the guys on the broadcast today talking about how this guy's like emerging like Tatis was in 2019. Uh, so he's the real deal. They have a pretty talented lineup. I mean, just today's lineup for, I mean, Ty France is on the IL, so, or that's the good news. That he's not going to be activated at least for tomorrow's game. Um, and the Padres, they don't, they're not going to have to face Robbie Ray. That's good news as well. But the Mariners are 39 and 42. They're second in the, in the American League West. The pitching, I think the bullpen. Andres Munoz pitched today, so he probably won't pitch tomorrow. That's good. Former Padre. Uh, but their their lineup, it's good. Pretty solid. Jesse Winker's in there. Eugenio Suarez. Carlos Santana they just acquired. Uh, Justin Upton. Adam Frazier's down there at the bottom. We saw him, how he played with the Padres. Uh, but Dylan Moore's pretty good. I wonder how Luis Torrens is doing for them right now. Former Padre. I mean, Ty France, he's, I feel, I felt like he was like on track for the All-Star game. Uh, Terenz isn't doing really anything. He's not getting a whole lot of playing time. Just looking at the stats here. Has only eight RBIs this year. Maybe he's been sent down a little bit. Only 36 games. Yeah, so not a whole lot of playing time for him. Uh, but obviously, I'd rather have Ty France than Austin Nola. But it, yeah, yeah. You hope that the Padres can win both games in this Seattle series because they're a better team than Seattle. They're not under 500 like Seattle is. Uh, the Padres won't be missing one of their... Well, they will be. They'll, they'll be missing Fernando. But they won't be missing like a top bat that's been in the lineup pretty much the whole year for like Seattle with how Ty France has been in their lineup pretty much the whole year, right? So that's good news. And... Manaya and Clev, we don't know who's pitching Wednesday for the Mariners, but you hope that the Padres will win both of these games. And you, going in, I think the Padres should win both of these games and hopefully try to redeem how they played against the Dodgers this past weekend. Even if they win both games, I don't think they will, just because it's always going to be in our minds. Azokar dropping the pop-up, Hosmer dropping that pop-up, or not even touching the pop-up today. Uh, and you know Snell and Musgrove pitching great Thursday, Friday, and the offense not showing up. You're just going to remember that. 
that's going to be in the back of your head, and you're like, oh, dang. We're, we're just going to have to get over the Dodgers. So regardless of who we beat, you know, beating the Mariners or beating the Diamondbacks or something or whoever, it's going to be like, cool, you know, we're winning games, but you're still going to think we have to get over the Dodgers to win a World Series, to get through that National League and win the National League pennant and get to the first World Series in Padres history since 1998. And right now, we're not on that same level as the Dodgers. That's, that's just a fact. Again, I'll reiterate it before signing off here. The Padres can get to that same level as the Dodgers. They can. I believe they can. I have faith in this team, especially because of their starting pitching and uh, with guys coming back in the bullpen and Fernando coming back sometime this year and Myers coming back. And Bowmel and Ruben Niebla and the coaching staff. It's a better situation than it was last year. But right now, you can't say that the Potters are on that same level as the Dodgers. There were some games that were close and they were in it, but there were games like yesterday where it was 3 nothing in the first and they, they didn't feel like they were in it. And that's got to change. So, all right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Feel free to leave your thoughts at Talking Friars on social media or in the comments on YouTube. I encourage you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, Talking Friars, uh, for daily Padres content. Enjoy your Sunday night or for the podcast listeners or whenever you're watching or listening to this, enjoy your day. Go Padres, and I'll see you next time. All right. See you, everybody.